Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, Randy? I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there, you know, hunkered down and, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. I'm very lucky in my hunker down situation because we're still able to go on walks and bike rides and go to the beach and stuff. So we're not entirely stuck in our house, so we're able to get out. But man, it is a little bit crazy not to be able to jam on a regular basis. So um, I'm actually glad that we get to do this podcast recording today because it sort of gets to keep us connected to the Frisbee community. And uh, I'm also really excited about our guest. Uh, we have a great guest today. Um, he was recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's got a unique and edgy style that was a huge influence on my game as an early player. Uh, he really keeps you on the edge of your seat. He's also the holder of the record for the most co-op division wins with eight wins. And he's been a longtime player and contributor to the FPA and to the sport at large. So please welcome to the call, Larry Imperiali. Hey, Larry. Hey, Jake. Hey, Randy. How you doing? Doing good. I'm so excited to have you here with us. I can't wait to begin this journey with you. So uh, why don't we just like jump right into it and start where we always start with everyone. So how did it all begin? How did Frisbee come into your life? Let's see. Well, uh, about 75, I started at uh, Chico State University. It was the number one computer science school in California. And that's where it started. It's a little town in Northern California, north of Sacramento, small college, uh, a lot like Fort Collins in a way. I've been thinking about it and how fortunate I was to, uh, you know, grow up my in Frisbee with a big jamily that early, not quite 75 then. I didn't really start till a little bit later. Um, but yeah, just a great scene and felt so lucky to learn Frisbee in that environment. We played all the sports. And I really look at Chico as three eras, you know, the pre-Skippy eras, I'll call it, 77, 78, and then uh, post-Skippy, 78 to 80. And then sort of after that, when Jim Terrorhorse and myself moved to Silicon Valley to start our careers and people started leaving Chico, Tim Bratton left in the early 80s. And, and that was sort of the end of Chico Frisbee as I knew it. You know, Chico was where it started. I remember in 75, I was playing catch with my old roommate in an apartment. He threw it to me. We'd play catch across his parking lot. It was, you know, nothing fancy, uh, but he threw it to me once. It was really low and I kicked it with my foot and did a the. And I look at him and I go, I bet you I'm the first person in the world to ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> we knew nothing. We knew nothing. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have anything like that. Wow. And so that was in 1975. So you're just tossing back and forth with your buddy. That's your introduction to Frisbee. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And then uh, I met uh, a good buddy, uh, Alan. Well, he goes by George Alan Young now, but Alan Young is how I knew him. No idea anything about freestyle. He threw a disc and went around a tree. He caught it. The first glimpse we had or he had of freestyle was he goes, Larry, I saw this guy walking down the street. And he was hitting a Frisbee on the side and keeping it going. And I'm like, wow, I wonder how he did that and sort of left it at that. The next memory I remember was, and this is just about when we were learning to delay. In 77, I went to my computer science class and I'd always 
take, I had a really nice road bike, campy record, carried up to the class, put it on the wall at Glen Hall right next to it. And I see this bike there and there's this uh, tall seat post really high. And I walk in, I, I see this tall guy go, oh, and we talk afterwards. It was like, sort of like that. If you watch the Invisible String, that Irv Kalb, uh, Dan Roddick moment where they connected and I connected with Jim, computer nerd, bike guy and a frisbee guy and when i talked to jim about it he goes yeah i met this guy alan who he so he connected with alan differently and alan said oh there's this frisbee player guy he rides his bike and he's in the comp side classes so you know that's where it really started happening jim jim terhorst correct still one of my very best friends but there was a different path in chico at the time there was uh clark tomlinson and lester lloyd they had seen JJ because they grew up in La Cañada. So they had a view of freestyle before we did. And then there was uh, Tim Bratton. And then, of course, Brian White, who was an amazing player. And we all just started playing. And uh, it was amazing. We'd play at the, well, you knew where we played, right? In Chico? No. Where all the girls were. No. Um, <laughs> Of course. But, uh, uh, of course, but uh, uh, no, we played at the quad first and that was a, just a great scene, you know, just the quad of a typical campus next to the bell tower. And and then we got so many people that started playing. We uh, uh, started playing at a place called Bidwell Mansion, which Chico is most well known. But then we play a lot of different places. So that's sort so, of how it started. So you guys were all students there at Chico State. Is that correct? There was one guy who wasn't, but all of us were students. One guy, Bob Colt, and he came up to us one day and said, guys, they have a Frisbee tournament in the Rose Bowl. And we didn't even think there were tournaments. And we're like, no way. Tournament in the Rose Bowl. Um, That's sort of where it started there. And you didn't hadn't seen a tournament before that. So you guys were all just kind of organically learning how to jam together, like delaying and all that. Yep, exactly. And, uh, you know, we, it's funny when I think back to the first tournament we had in 78. So that was the first tournament I ever played in was 78, I think spring 78. And just four of us, four teams got together and said, Hey, let's have a tournament. Okay. And I, I don't know, what was it? Two minute routines. I don't know. But uh, I do remember my very first opening co-op of my life. I stood there. I was playing with Alan Young, four teams. I think the winning team was probably Mike Burns, who was our airhead spiritual leader, and Brian White, and then Jim Terhorst and Clark Tomlinson. And by the way, Clark Tomlinson taught Mary Lowry how to delay in Vancouver. So a little oh. bit of history there. But my very first co-op, I stood up like I was a pitcher in the, on the pitching mound, spun a disc on my finger, pulled it to my chest, threw a hammer throw right to Allen in the catcher position, and he caught it as a the, and that was my first co-op of my life. We had no idea what to do. <laughs> but we knew to open with a co-op for some reason. I don't know why. It's amazing that you guys were just in your own little world and learning freestyle without any external influence. It's pretty impressive. Well, I think Lester and Clark probably, and Bob Cole told us about, hey, you know, they can do this, they can do that. And I think that was not a direct result, but they'd show up there and Lester could do these delays and rim delays. And so that was probably a seed that started this as well. (laughs) So were you doing any other Frisbee sports besides freestyle? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, the the one I remember now, this is starting to get in the uh, post-Skippy era, um, but, uh, we had intramural ultimates in Chico, probably since 75, 76, 
So we were all playing ultimate and we were the airheads, tie dye guys and girls. And so we, we loved that. We would play golf across the Creek and, you know, so we did all the events. We even did the uh, master's test. And for many people that don't know that it was from the IFA and you had to stand 40 yards apart, throw a right curves, left curves, floater, all 10, I don't know, seven second MTA. And so we did those type of things. And so, yeah, we did the other sports. And I remember telling Skippy, I go, Skippy, you know, I just like ultimate better, you know, freestyle is okay, but I like ultimate better. And uh, he eventually turned me around. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned the master's test because, you know, I remember that as well, being a, a young player. And I remember there was one skill in there I could not do. And, and I still I don't even know if I could do it to this day. But you'd have a person standing apart from you where you, know, you were doing the throws, you know, the right curve, the left curve. But you had to do a double skip on the ground and make it get to them. I don't know if you've ever, I mean, I can do one skip shot and make it go up, but it had to be a double skip and the person had to be able to catch it. They couldn't move. So I don't know if you remember that, but I, I do like, remember that. And you had to, I think they could move five feet in a circle or something like that to get it. And, and if you're doing it on grass, forget the skipper, you had to move somewhere else. Exactly. I just thought, well, this is a deal breaker. I'm never going to pass this freaking test. <laughs> it was really did you get difficult. Your, did you get your uh, bronze card? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. What's the bronze card? I was not around during this era. So what's the bronze card? It's just like a a business card, except it's like metal bronze colored. I I have a photo of it. It's not a very good photo. I still have it somewhere. But yeah, it's just a little metal card you get with your name and your number. Do the test and you fill out a form and send it to them and say, yep, I passed this test. Exactly. Yeah. And you had to have somebody there to validate you. So you couldn't have just done it on your own. So you'd get your card. It was also kind of your your entry into the IFA, which was the International Frisbee Association, which Stork oversaw. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of this cool little thing. Like you felt like you were part of this special club, which, you know, kept the momentum going and kept you exploring all the events. Super cool. Interesting idea. I wonder if the freestyle community should do something like that. Well, that's a thought, Jake, and I've got some ideas about that. Uh, yeah, just a skills test for newer players, right? Yeah, that would be super cool. Here's your here's your five things, your five freestyle skills, and send in a video of you doing it, and we'll send you an official packet or a free membership or something. That's kind of cool. So let's go back to Chico and the Airhead. You and Brian White and Jim Terrorhorst formed a team and you guys were pretty formidable. I remember when I first saw you it was in Sacramento, some NAS tournament. That was the first time that I'd seen the three of you guys. And I was like, whoa, these guys are the real deal. And so maybe talk about how that team formed and how you guys kind of went through the process of putting together routines and going to tournaments and just that whole story. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we all played together. We, you know, it was, we'd play hours and hours and Bidwell Park, where we played a lot, was the second biggest urban park in the nation. And so we'd play for hours and hours and we'd go swimming in the creek. And, you know, you had the clock players mainly, which was Clark, Lester, Mike Burns were the main ones of the top players. And then we had the counter players. Uh, Jim Terrorhorse, Brian White, me, Alan Young. And uh, I remember I played in Santa Barbara with Lester. And we, in 79 of March, 79, that huge tournament that JJ and Marini played under the lights. I played with Lester, and I think we got last for sure in our early pool. After that tournament, Jim Terrorhorse and I look at each other and go, 
why aren't we playing together? <laughs> you know, we were so similar. We take the same spin, we can exchange it, you know? And so that's Jim and I started playing and then Brian, Jim and I started jamming more and more together. Brian was very athletic. He was a college basketball player. He could bash the disc, just amazing athlete. Jim was tall and lanky. Kirkland came up to him. You have the best flaming guidance in the sport. And so that we started playing together in, in the big, 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 big Chico tournament, 1979 Harvest. We had a huge ultimate tournament and Berkeley came and Dark Star and Humboldt. It was huge. And we had freestyle Corey Basso and Kevin Givens won a big time in the sport right then for us. Was that the first time that you guys competed as Chico Airheads? Is it that is correct? Yeah, Jim Bryan and I there. We played. We got second to uh, Corey and Kevin, and I remember that we had a you know little meeting get together uh, for people showing up Friday night from Sonoma and Humboldt and everywhere at the Madison Bear Garden. I look over and I, someone goes, "That's Chico Corey Basso over there." Whoa, that's Corey Basso. He won the Rose Bowl last year. Oh, should I talk to him? I'm so scared. I don't know. Uh, but the memory of him playing with uh, Kevin, Kevin comes up, they come off the field. I got a picture of him. Kevin is just, or Skippy Jammer, is just exhausted. He's comes, they played really good. They played the Doobie Brothers. Skippy's walking up, just barely can breathe and is just dying. I'm like, finally later, I'm like, God, Skippy, you looked really exhausted in that tournament. He goes, I don't know where Corey got it, but he had this theory that if I threw it to Skippy and he had to run for it every time, he'd play better. <laughs> so you watch the old video and he's throwing it to Kevin, but he's always throwing it about 10 meters away. And Kevin's like running over again. Okay, starting to do a move. <laughs> That's great. So how did you guys come up with the name Airheads? Well, our spiritual leader, Mike Burns, he uh, he was sort of the lead guy for the airheads he would design the discs he'd uh came up with the but but first he came up with the name grateful desk disc that's how the, the the rumor goes he came up with the name we're going to be the grateful disc frisbee club he goes to apply at the aifa and they go oh sorry that's taken mike's like oh we can't use that name and ever since that day we were called the airheads well, so that's interesting because I always thought that Bill Wright of the Coloradicals were the ones who came up with the Grateful Disc. So were they the ones that claimed the name before he could Exactly, exactly. So we're always Fort Collins' uh, redheaded stepchild or whatever you call it. There you go. But yeah, we had a great scene there. We had, we felt like rock stars. There was the battle of the bands and the airheads, you know, did the demo in between bands and they had a Chico parade and we took uh, my girlfriend Robin's car and we put little discs all over it and convertible and drove down Main Street and jammed on the sides, tossing the disc off the bell tower to kick off the tournament. And and uh, so, so many great memories. Just so lucky to have that experience. And, uh, and so many people that people know may or may not know they're from Chico. You know, Carl Dobson, Booty lived there for a while. So when you say Booty, you mean Mark Regal Booty? You are correct. Yeah. So even Mark Regalbooty lived in Chico for a while. He, I think he was there for nine months, six months, something like that. So one thing that we learned, actually, we were talking with Skippy and I didn't realize how much of a role he played in introducing you to freestyle and kind of bringing you along as a player. So can you talk about that a little bit? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, think about this. Pretend you're high school basketball players just playing pickup on a you know cement uh, court and all of a sudden Michael Jordan walks up. It says, hey, guys, hey, I can show you how to play this game a little bit better. 
And that's absolutely what it was like. I mean, he didn't have Air Jordans. He had Tiger Enduros. These tennis shoes Skippy did. We all bought the Tiger Enduros. Oh, those are the freestyle shoes. These red, blue, striped things. And uh, and he walks up to us one day at Bidwell Mansion. We're jamming out there. It's probably, uh, I would say, early 78. And uh, he comes up and he's like, hey, guys. Oh, I see you freestyling. That was the moment that changed my life right there. I, I was talking to Tim Bratton the other day and Tim goes, yeah, he was just the nicest guy. You know, here he is, superstar guy coming in and just the nicest guy teaching us how to do things, real patient. And that moment at Bidwell Mansion uh, right there at the field. And uh, I'll never forget that. And you weren't aware of who he was or you were aware of who Skippy Jammer was? We didn't. We didn't know who he was. Really? There was wow. no Facebook or anything. You know, we, we were... We wouldn't, uh, weren't on any FPA newsletter. There's no FPA yet. There's, you know, we'd get Frisbee World at some point, but, you right. know, unless you were in a top three, you didn't read about those names usually. And so you, so he started playing and you were like, oh my goodness, this guy's taking it to a whole nother level that we've never seen. No question. No question. He was, uh, and uh, he had, a, he had an affinity towards uh, Alan, George Allen Young. I don't know, six months in or whatever, he goes, yeah, I think Alan's really going to be a star of the sport. Maybe that's when I said, yeah, I like ultimate better, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, and I, I understand why now, because Alan was a very technical player, you know, and Skippy would, I don't know if he was doing skids yet, but you know, Alan had a similar technical style as Skippy as he was learning. And I think that's why Skippy had that affinity towards Alan, where I was always in my own world, probably. So, Larry, you're telling us about the Chico Airheads and how, how everything started and started to grow. Can you kind of expand on now how you grew and how you became a, a formidable team? Yeah, I think the, the key year was 79 because, like Randy said, Jim, Brian, and I were a team. Uh, Jim Bob Parks was there by now, and Jim Bob was playing with uh, Tim Bratton. And so they were an established team and, and I watched their Chico routine from 82. That was one of the most flowing routines I, I've watched. And uh, so they were a strong team. Uh, Lester and Clark were playing. Brian uh, started playing with us, as I mentioned. So that's 79 was when it changed. And what changed for Jim, Brian and I was we went to play ultimate in Humboldt, play ultimate, and they had freestyle. And so Jim and I uh, had a routine we did to uh, start me up by the Rolling Stones. And we, because of the rain and we're just drenched from ultimate, we go in and then we do the freestyle tournament indoors. And we're like, oh, wow, John Kirkland and Jeff Jorgensen are playing pairs here. Oh, my God. You know, we've read about them. We had seen Frisbee World and stuff. And obviously Kirkland, uh, very famous, and Jeff Jorgensen, they were playing. And, you know, we're like, okay, well, we'll do our stuff. And we go out there and we... Of course, I'm going to say we shredded. I have no memory except it felt really good. We came off, the crowd was going good, and we actually won. So that was the turning point, our first win with outside players, outside of Chico. And uh, so that launched us. And then we started playing. We're like, okay, we're the Chico ridicules. We're going to, you know, get better and better. We're going to take down those Coloradicals, you know, that type of thing. And so we were, you know, we were still pretty rough at that time. Then in early 80, there was a Santa Barbara tournament. And so we all go to uh, that tournament. Brian and I and Jim were ready to go. We had played in 79 Sacramento together. Um, and we go there 
and they move it indoors uh, because of the weather. Uh, so we're in a pool. Uh, top seed in that pool is uh, uh, Matt Roberts and Corey Basso. Maybe we were the third seed, second seed. Uh, festival music, two teams going at the same time in the semis. And Jim Bryan and I go out and we shred. We play, they put on George Benson Breezen, and we just did our thing. You know, it was really exciting. Threesomes were just becoming a big thing at that time. They announced the semi results and we're like, oh my God, we beat Corey Basso and Matt Roberts. We're in the finals. We were so, <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a big turning point too. We were so excited. We go to uh, the finals, put on Jammin' by Bob Marley and play terrible. <laughs> but we made the finals at Santa Barbara. So that was a big step. So did you guys just play spontaneous or did you have structure? We had some structure. Okay, we're going to open with this. Okay, jam. Oh, in the middle, we'll do this. Okay, then jam. At the end, we'll do this and jam. That was the structure, pretty much. So there wasn't like choreography. You guys just sort of had co-op A's, co-op B, co-op C, and then... Yeah, we put on jamming and jammed, pretty much. Got it. Except for co-op there. And we did some spontaneous stuff a little bit. Brian would bash it to me, you know, that type of thing. But that was just starting up at that point. So I want to ask you about indoors versus outdoors, because so your first two successes that you're mentioning are indoor tournaments, but I've always known you as a outdoor player and your style is all run and gun so did your style change over the years or how how did that work out for you in the early days i was always sort of a win player but i love indoors believe it or not and the reason i love it is you know you got a constant seven mile an hour breeze when you're running as fast as you can run exactly and you can like kuba kicks for example you're not doing it on the wind the face plate is facing the wind you can't be doing but indoors you can do that very precisely you know the indoor routines is where you get those clean routines so i always love playing indoors but of course i much prefer to play in a beach wind nowadays for sure Got it. okay so sorry to take you off track let's go back to the chico story yeah well just to go back to that uh uh santa barbara tournament where jim bryan and i beat matt roberts and Corey basso i get home to chico Again, no cell phones. I got a couple of voice messages on the phone and I touched the voicemail, play it. And it's like, hey, Larry, this is Corey Basso. You want to play in Santa Barbara? And I'm like, oh my God. Corey Basso called me and asked him to play and we just beat him. And I was like, oh my God, why would Corey Basso play with me? And then that same spring, uh, Kevin Givens calls me. Hey, Larry, you want to play with Corey Basso and me in Austin? And I go, well, I think Brian and I are playing. Let me get their commitment. I'm like, Brian, Jim, this is our chance. We've got to go to Austin. We got a tour this year, 1980. We got to go to these tournaments, you know. And Jim, uh, starving student, couldn't afford to go. Brian's like, no, I can't go. I can't. I'm like, guys, this is it. This is this is when we're gonna make our splash. You know, we gotta go to Austin. They're like, no, we can't do it. I call Skippy back. I go, I'm in, guys. And that was a turning point for us because A, I was about to leave Chico, and B. I started playing outside of my Chico teammates. You know, one of the things that I love hearing you tell these stories is your awe of who they were. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's Corey Basso. Or, <sighs> oh, my God. You know, because, you know, I remember that, too. And, you know, I know you've had that impact on players throughout your career. We said, oh, my God, Larry Imperiali asked me to play with him. You know, it's a good reminder of how we all go through this journey, you know, and uh, it's just cool to hear hear you express that. Well, and it goes full circle, right? Because originally it was like, oh my God, he wants to play with me. And then it, he, like he said, okay, some people want to play with me all of a sudden now. But then nowadays, Chego, hey, Larry, let's play at the Italian Open. I'm like, 
whoa, Chega called me. He wants to play with me. No way. <laughs> right. It's like a full circle, right? It's kind of like the baby and then you become an adult and then, you know, you kind of come back around as a crusty veteran. Yeah, exactly. So, the, the, and that's what happened with the, the transition. So then I, I, I'm not sure why Corey played with me, but uh, I think a lot of people played with me because I was sort of quirky and different. Yes, Larry, you are different and quirky in a really awesome way. And uh, we have so much more to share with you all out there from Larry. And we also have new interviews in upcoming episodes that we will be featuring Skippy Jammer, Crazy John Brooks, and Crave and Sickle. So we're really looking forward to sharing that all with you out there. Yeah. And speaking of other things that are coming up, so uh, the Tiny Room Battle Challenge is coming up in one week from the airing of this podcast. And uh, we're going to be live streaming it on Frisbee Guru. So uh, it's going to be really exciting because it's a totally experimental format where people will be competing from their living rooms, doing moves in a tiny space. And uh, who knows what we're going to see. It's also a really interesting lineup. We have a lot of people who aren't usual competitors. So it's we're going to see things that we're not used to seeing. I think it's going to be really fun. And I'm very happy that we get to live stream that on Frisbee Guru. Yeah, for sure. And it's got, a, like you say, an interesting mix of really young players and some really crusty players who have won many, many world championships. So that's going to be really fun to watch next weekend. And so really looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I just want to say one thing to you, my friend, stay safe. Okay. Yeah. You stay safe too. All right. On that note, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbees.